your Locked On Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to Lockdown Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast. I'm your host, Zeke Boyat, and today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. And so on today's episode of Lockdown Wild, I will be doing a mailbag episode answering all the questions that uh, you all left me over the last few days on the Wild and the NHL in general. So I'm looking forward to getting into your questions and giving you my thoughts on what you wanted to ask me. But uh, first, I just want to remind you all to subscribe to Lockdown Wild on whatever podcast platform you listen to. If you hit that subscribe button, you'll get the newest shows as they come out each day and you want to go looking for it. So be sure to hit subscribe. Uh, to get the new latest episode of Lockdown Wild each day as it comes out. So, as I said, today we'll be doing a mailbag episode. Got a few questions from a few of y'all. Uh, I think it'll be fun to answer a lot of, you know, it's mostly just wild-related stuff, but uh, I think it'll be interesting anyways to kind of get you guys to interact a little bit in the show and give me a little bit more material to talk about uh, in this kind of dog days of the offseason. So, uh, we're just going to get right into it. Uh, no more messing around. And the first question uh, comes from Derek Felska at Crease and Assist on Twitter. And he asks, is it a mistake for the MN Wild to name a team captain before the 2020-2021 season starts? And what Derek is asking, if you have not uh, seen this yet, is there was an article, I believe, from an interview on NHL.com, as well as uh, from uh, the Athletics' Michael Russo last week, where Bill Guerin openly said that the team plans to name a captain before the season starts. And with while we're not certain when the season will start, whether it's going to be January 1st or maybe more like January 15th, middle of January, it does seem, or it is pretty much guaranteed that the Wild will name a captain. And so that obviously has brought in a lot of discussion from the Wild fans all around and just a lot of debates as to who should be the next captain of the team after the departure of longtime captain Miko Cuevo to Columbus in free agency. So, you know, what Derek says, he asks, is it a mistake for them to name a captain before the 2020 tournament season starts? You know, I don't know. I, I I don't think so because, you know, as Bill Guerin said, he thinks it's an important position himself personally to have and that while, you know, he, I guess I can understand if you want someone to leave some time for someone to step up and take hold of the room and take control. Uh, I, agree, I think I agree personally with Bill Guerin saying that it's an important position to fill and with the team going through a current transition right now and a weird season upcoming with shortened season you know, not probably not a lot of fans, not a lot of nothing, you know, different restrictions when you're traveling uh, or even at home and such like that. I think having a captain or a solid leader in there, the veteran voice will be important. Uh, you know, again, I'm not really sure exactly who that's going to be. But I personally, as Derek asked, I believe that it's not a mistake for them to name a captain. Although I can also see it the other way around, as Derek is suggesting that, you know, why not let some, leave the captaincy empty and give three or four A's around and then just wait and see if, you know, one of the older guys steps up especially and shows that he should be the captain or if, you know, a younger player like, uh, I don't know, a Jules Eriksson or a Matt Dumber or someone like that also steps up and takes control of the room and kind of takes up a leadership position. But, I, I mean, it seems obvious that they're going to name a captain here uh, before the season starts, and I personally agree with Bill Guerin because – you know, I, I personally believe that's an important position to fill. And especially in a weird season, I think it would be good to have, you know, to have that leader in the locker room. And, you know, I guess this is Derek didn't really ask this, but I'll, I'll just go into who could be potential captains. I mean, you know, the obvious candidates are Jared Spurgeon, longtime uh, wild defenseman, one of the greatest success stories in franchise history. Uh, he's, 
you know, with a lot of the stories we've heard about him the past few months, reaching out to Kirill Kaprizov and Marco Rossi and all these other guys before, you know, they've even been on the team and, you know, getting to know them, letting them know he can help them out if he needs it. That obviously he's Charles great leader. And I think the only question with Spurgeon is, you know, it's not really a bad thing on him, but he's not the, he's a little bit more of a soft spoken guy. And you can tell in his interviews that he's not a extremely loud and vocal guy in the locker room, but I still think regardless of, you know, how respected and well-liked he is, it seems, in that locker room and how great of a guy it seems to be that uh, he would be a great candidate to be the next captain. And the next two, you know, obviously uh, Zach Creasy and Ryan Suter. Now I know this brings up a lot of controversy among a lot of Wild fans because there's a lot of, you know, you know, people think that, you know, it's the transition of this team. It's time to kind of start to move away from the older players. But I still think there could be a reasonable case to be made for both of these guys. I mean, Zach Cruzy, I mean, you can never question his effort. Uh, he's always work hard, one of the hardest workers in the ice. He has a lot of energy and enthusiasm and, you know, is still one of the best goal scorers on the team. So I think Zach is probably, you know, the one of the next up after Spurgeon for the captaincy. And, you know, Suter, I could see, you know, why potentially he could be named captain. I mean, again, another longtime veteran, uh, you know, defenseman, been here a long time, played a lot of NHL games, uh, you know, it's familiar probably him and Bill Guerin with each other from USA Hockey and all that. So I could see him being in contention, although I don't think he is very likely. And then, you know, another guy that's, you know, obviously should could be in the mix is Marcus Foligno, you know, because he seemed to be that energy, physical, you know, muck it up style that, you know, he contributes a little bit of offense, but he's a great leader in the locker room and on the ice. Uh, you know, he can get into a fight or throw a big hit when he needs to to up the energy in the game. And, you know, I think he's certainly a very good captain, but it all depends on if he signs a contract extension with the expansion or draft coming up next year. If he's not guaranteed that he's going to be protected in the expansion draft for Seattle, you know, he might not want to resign with the Wild. So, you know, unless Marcus Foligno gets a contract extension, I don't believe he'll be named the captain, but we'll see. So, you know, moving on to another question from Derek, and he asks, if is Brent Burns the best Emin Wild player they ever drafted as he won a Norris Trophy, been an all-star multiple times, who blossomed once he was traded away? Agree or disagree? So, you know, just a little bit of a kind of shout-out to my own show. Uh, if you last show on Wednesday was a wild flashback, and I kind of covered and talked about the Brent Burns trade between the Wild and the Sharks back in 2011. So go and check that out if you want a little bit of a refresher on trade and kind of the reactions around it at the time. But, you know, Derek is asking, is Brent Burns the best draft pick in wild history essentially and you know i never really thought about this but he Derek makes a good point here i mean you know brent burns was not as nearly as good as he was as he has been in san jose as he was with the wild although you know if you look at his stats with the wild once they converted him from forward to defense you know he ended up producing a couple 15 to 16 17 goal 40 45 point season so he was certainly a very solid top four offensive defenseman with the wild but he obviously didn't blossom until he got to san jose and has been you know consistently around a point per game guy put up anywhere from 15 to almost 30 goals and been a, like Derek says, an all-star and a Norris trophy contender and winner on uh, one or two occasions. So, you know, that Derek makes a good point. I mean, you go even back even further on Brent Burns career when he was uh, drafted by the wild with the 20th overall pick, I believe in the 2003 draft, you know, he put up, I think, I don't remember the exact stats, but I think it was something like 40 points in like 68 games in the OHL that season. And, you know, for, I remember reading an article over the over the, you know, kind of off-season slash pause this last spring, you know, saying he wasn't really sure where he was going to get drafted. And, you know, it wasn't really necessarily expected that he was going in the first round. And at the time, I believe Burns was a forward. So that makes it even more the interesting that, you know, he was a forward who didn't push a lot. And the Wild picked him 
developed him into a good defenseman on their end, and then, you know, traded him away, and he became an elite offensive defenseman, all-star, uh, best defense, one of the best defensemen in the league over the last five years. So, you know, I agree with Derek. I think, you know, you could, I don't know if I would say he's the best draft pick in wild history, but uh, Derek makes a very good point, and, you know, I actually maybe be inclined to agree with him that Brent Burns might indeed be the best pick in wild history when all is said and done in his career. So, a couple of great questions there by Derek. Thank you to, you, to him for sending those in. And uh, coming up next on Locked on Wild, I'll be answering more of your questions on the wild in general. So stay tuned for that. Built Go is the healthy replacement for your energy drink. But the energy is not fake. It's lasting and natural. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, you can break through it with Built Go each day. It's easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase, your golf bag, your backpack. You can take it anywhere to go, and it'll be right there ready to give you a nice boost of energy to start your day. And it's made by the same people, great people who made Built Bar, so you know you're getting a good product. As, as I said, it's like a five-hour energy drink without the same crash feeling. And plus, it's made with natural ingredients such as B6, B12, B3 vitamins, so it's good for you. It's better for the body. You you get these. You know, delicious flavors like peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate, mint, you know, which you might think, okay, you know, that seems like it's going to be a lot of sugar, but really, no, it's not. And there's a lot of protein, collagen protein, which is fast absorbing. So it gets in your system fast, easier on your stomach. So again, you get this nice tasting energy drink while you get the delicious taste and also the energy boost to, you know, get you going to break through your wall. But you also know that you're putting something that's good for you into your body. So again, you should go to visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, go to promo, use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go! And we're back here on Lockdown Wild answering your mailbag questions on the Minnesota Wild, NHL, and hockey, and everything in between. And before we get into more of your questions, I just want to, again, remind you all to be sure to listen every week for the newest edition of Wild Flashback every Wednesday, where I take back at, take a look back at a significant moment in Wild history, such as a game or a trade that had a particularly significant impact on the team and its future. So be sure to tune in every Wednesday to uh, to every new episode of Wild Flashback. So like I said, last segment, we answered a couple of mailbag questions on, you know, the Wild potential captaincy and, uh, you know, who's the best draft pick in Wild history and is Brent Burns that player. And, you know, going into this segment, we got a few more questions to answer. And the first one that, let me just pull it up here, comes from Logan Jensen at LoggyGen74 on Twitter. And he asks... Give us your best take on the starting 12 forwards. Who centers who? Who actually plays center? Who's the odd two out if Rossi makes the team? So, you know, this is a very interesting question because, you know, at the time, if you look at the Wilds roster, they have, you know, a lot of players, you know, I guess you could say a lot of depth. And while you think they have a lot of depth and you go, okay, they, you know, they must be really good in really good shape then. But, you know, to be honest, if you look at the roster, it's a lot of depth of, you know, like we're used to as Wilds fans, good, but not great players. And, you know, you got the potential stud in Kevin Fiala, who we think is going to be really good uh, at the beginning of the year after his breakout year this last season. Uh, you got young rookie Kirill Kaprizov, who we think will provide a boost on offense. And then who knows what Marco Rossi will bring if he makes a team, but, you know, he can expect to provide some youth energy and skill. And then obviously you have regulars like Zach Parisi, who's still there, still probably score 20, 25, 30 goals. And you also got newcomers like Marcus Johansson and Nick Bonino, and also the young, young youngsters still like Jules Erksenek or Jordan Greenway or Nico Sturm and Ryan Hartman, who are all there who provide some solid depth. But, you know, I think the key is there is a lot of those guys, aside from Fiala, Kaprizov, Parisi, and Rossi are kind of more depth guys. And when you look, you know, the, the, the 12 forwards who will be playing, it's, 
again, it's, it's kind of complicated, but I think the first line will look something like, you know, uh, probably I'd put Kaprizov on that left wing and Fiala on the right on the first line because while you maybe want to spread them out and, you know, spread out the wealth a little bit with those two guys, I think it's a good idea. I think uh, Kaprizov, at least, it'll be good for him to play with Fiala to have that skilled player on his wing, even if, you know, a center like who, at this point, I think you would probably put Marcus Johansson as the first-line center, even though there's questions of whether he's a center, but I would go Kaprizov, Johansson, and Fiala as the top line. And on the second line, again, it gets a little more complicated because you don't really know who the center is going to be, but I think you'd go something like Parisi, you know, Ross, I would put Rossi in this slot if he makes a team as a second line center, along with, you know, again, Parisi. Okay, so we got, sorry, I'm getting kind of confused here. But so first line, Kaprizov, Johansson, Fiala. Second line, Parisi, Rossi, and Matt Zuccarello, of course, who I think is going to, even though many people argue, does he really deserve that top six role? I mean, with how much money the Wild are paying him, and for four more years still, I think he's guaranteed to get that to first, that second line role, top six minutes to, try to reproduce and get bring back his value that they thought they were going to get out of Zuccarello when he's signing. So I think he'll get a good shot on the second line with Parisi and maybe even a youngster center in the Rossi, who I think if he makes a team should be given a shot in the top six. And then, you know, as for the bottom six, like I said, these can kind of the, the bottom three lines really, I think can shuffle back and forth. Like there's not a really a lot, whole lot of difference here to me, but I think you'll have some combination on the second line of Jordan Greenway, Jules Eriksson and Nick Benino with, you know, Benino and Eck both being centers, but Benino is kind of rotated in and out of center position throughout his career. So I think you'll have something like Jordan Greenway, Nick Benino and uh, Jules Eriksson the third line. And as for the fourth line, you got Marcus Foligno, uh, Nick Bukestad and Ryan Hartman. So, you know, I think, you know, the, those are the kind of the basic 12 forwards. And I know it's not, that was a little unclear. Sorry if I've been describing it, but I'm just trying to kind of think like, you know, what potential scenarios are for lines and whatnot. So just to kind of recap as to who the 12 start wild starting forwards would be start off the season. I believe it would be the first line with Kirill Kaprizov on the left wing, Kevin Fiala on the right wing with Marcus Johansson at center. Second line was Zach Parisi in the left wing, Matt Zuccarello on the right wing and Marco Rossi at the second line center position. And for the third line, I would go Jordan Greenway at the left wing, uh, Jules Eriksson at the center, and Nick Benino on the right wing. And then as for the fourth line, I would go some combination of Marcus Foligno, Ryan Hartman, and Nick Bukestad with uh, Nick Bukestad likely being the center. And as Logan kind of asks here too, who does that leave out of the lineup then? Who does that you know, who's not going to be on the team as regularly with if Rossi makes the team, which is which is a question, a different question, but I still think there's a very good chance that Rossi does make the team. And if he does, which I think Rossi will make the team, I would imagine, like I just described, you're not going to be seeing guys like Nico Sturm or, you know, Victor Rask in the lineup as much. And, you know, Sturm could be a guy that, you know, you want to get in the NHL right away because I don't think he's going to be a huge offensive producer, but I think he's going to deserve that shot to get into the lineup eventually and, uh, you know, prove that he is a full-time NHL player, which it's, he seems to be very close to be. And then obviously Victor Rask, you know, is not, you know, I don't, he's not a top six player by any means, but I don't think he's as bad as a lot of wild fans make him out to be. And I think just for the, the trade that was made with him to get him and with his overall contract not being too great, I think that kind of affects how people in the, in this town and this fan base view him. But I think Victor Rask is a serviceable fourth line player and, so, you know, really now that I think about it, I think you could probably swap in and out Victor Ass, Nico Sturm, and Nick Bukestad as kind of three guys that might rotate in and out depending on, you know, 
performance play and also this year with you know shorter schedules and obviously with virus pandemic still around you know health and injuries will probably be an issue this season so you know i don't this, this starting 12 forwards isn't by no means set in stone and you know there will be changes on daily you know every day every game based off what happens with the team and all that so uh thanks again to logan for sending in that question i hope i gave you some sort of answer sorry it was a bit a little bit long-winded but i just had a bunch of thoughts on it as a whole just to get out there so coming up up on the next segment of lockdown wild i will be answering another question uh on the state of the wild and whether or not they will be able to win the stanley cup with the current ownership and management group in place Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. With six new flavors such as caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and lemon almond cheesecake, as well as 12 original classics like raspberry, peanut butter, and banana bread, Built Bar has the great tasting flavor of all sorts of kind of treats that you love, while also being it's 100% covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew, but it's also great for the health conscious person. You can lose or maintain while indulging in a delicious treat, and the Built Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. They're great for a keto diet, and like I said, you know, you think of these flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, or lemon almond cheesecake, and you go, you know, there's got to be some sugar in there that can't be all that great for me, but I'm here to tell you that they are good for you. They, they taste great, you get that great flavor, but they also have a lot of healthy nutrients for you, and just as an example to kind of let you know, what I'm talking about here is in the peanut butter bar, there is 19 grams of protein, only 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams net carbs. So again, you're getting that nice filling boost of energy, to nice tasty treat that tastes good and fills you up till when you're going to eat next or till to get you through your workday or what whatever it is. But you're also knowing that at the same time you're putting something in your body that's healthy and that will make you feel good later on. So again, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. And we're back here on Lockdown Wild answering your mailbag questions. Uh, the first couple segments answered various questions about who the captain will be and all sorts of other things. But before we get into the last question, I just want to remind you to subscribe to Lockdown Wild. Uh, wherever your podcast platforms you do, you get your podcast from and you will receive that new show each day as it comes out. And also want to remind you to connect with me and the show for my personal Twitter account at ZBWildNation underscore HW. And you can follow the podcast, obviously, at Lockdown Wild on Twitter. And also the podcast Gmail account, LockdownWild at gmail.com. If you want to ever send any mailbag questions, segment ideas, guest ideas, whatever thoughts you may have on the show of the wild, uh, please send them to me and I will be happy to to read them and to use them for the show. So be sure to follow us there. So like I said, we're going to just, we got one more mailbag question to answer here in this third segment of today's Lockdown Wild episode thanksgiving edition and this question comes from joseph boyat and he asks given the fact that great organizations are formed from the very top down what is your assessment of craig leopold and his moves beginning from the prescient tutor lifetime deals and hiring fenton can the wild ever capture the cup with this owner so you know i know a lot of people have a lot of opinions you know always obviously about the team about the gm and even about the owner especially with a lot of the turmoil and decisions that they've made over the past couple of years and even the past eight, almost decade now and you know with craig leopold there has been you know there's been some criticism and i think you know some certainly fair criticism when you consider the fact that obviously paul fenton was a unmitigated disaster in terms of his you know how he was organizing the team how he was supposedly treating a lot of his employees as uh, you know as 
people below him in the front office and, you know, the kind of rash decisions he'd be making. So I think there is certainly some fair criticism of Curry Leopold for making such a decision without really having, you know, from what we learned after that, he didn't really have anyone else besides the team president in the room interviewing with him and other people who had real experience in hockey directly. So, you know, I definitely think uh, Curry Leopold does deserve some criticism for that hire. And obviously, you know, that didn't work. The Fenton was thing was a disaster. It didn't work out at all. But I think he does deserve also deserves at the same time some credit for you know quickly after just over a year realizing you know that you know that hey this isn't working out with Fenton as a GM anymore, and he um, uh, relieved him of his duties last summer. So you know I think that's to me that's the big uh, kind of decision that really kind of stain on his reputation, I guess. But I mean, overall, I think he's been a very good owner. I mean, ever since he bought the team in 2008, he's always seemed passionate about the team. He's always at the games. He's always, you know, seems to be into it, seems to be, you know, cheering on the team. He seems to love hockey. He has always spent the money. That's the one thing you can ever rip on Craig Leopold for is he's seemingly always spent the money and given his general managers the money to spend uh, to make the team better, as you can see with the Parisian suitor deals when he, you know, allowed Chuck Fletcher to give two players a combined 186 well 196 million and over 13 years each so you know again i think you can never criticize craig leopold for being cheap or for not be willing to spend and for not wanting to win because i think that you know it's obvious that he wants to win and he wants to win the stanley cup very badly just like everyone else in the organization the front office now does with bill Guerin. so you know i think i th- i don't think i would have too much criticism to say about him uh he seems to be very charitable very nice guy uh and like i said he puts his money where his mouth is he wants to win he does everything he can to win although like i said obviously the fenton con- fenton disaster last year after hiring him as the gm you know, the other things such as maybe not being as willing to go into a bit of a rebuild and, you know, wanting to always be in win now mode. I, I can also understand the criticism from some fans for that who thought that, you know, maybe they were in there, set themselves up to be stuck in the middle kind of a little bit longer than they would have to if, uh, you know, since Craig Leopold kind of insisted maybe, I guess is what some people think that, you know, he wants to remain at least a playoff team uh, to, you know, understandably it's his business. He owns the team so he can do whatever he wants, obviously, but to keep fill in the seats and keep people interested and keep making that money and but at the same time again i i find i have a hard time you know disliking an owner who wants to win who wants to be in the playoffs this year and has always spent the money to back that up and has been a good person along with that so i think they can win the stanley cup and keep going further as an organization with craig leopold as the owner i mean he's he's not going anywhere obviously he'll keep on the team for however long he does and so i i don't and personally i don't have a, usually I have a hard time believing that the owner is the problem unless there is, you know, clear evidence presented that, you know, there may be overreaching and being a little too involved in the hockey decisions. But from everything I can tell, Craig Leopold, while obviously he does have some input probably in the decisions in a way, because it is his team, he does own them. I don't think he ever meddles or pressures his GMs to do things that, you know, they don't want to do or they don't think are particularly smart hockey wise. So, and you know, I, I personally think the Prius and Suter deals were a great gamble by him. It maybe hasn't worked out with the Stanley Cup yet, but it brought the team back into relevancy and brought them back to a playoff level where fans have been interested every year and the building is always packed. So again, I have a hard time criticizing Leopold too much. I think he's a really good owner. I think he's a great owner, in fact. And despite the, you know, maybe not so great decisions that he's made, such as the Fenton hiring as GM and all that. Well, you can criticize him for that. That's perfectly fair. But I think he has made up for him by making up for his mistakes, by putting his money where his mouth is, spending uh, basically to the cap floor every season 
to including this year still at this point, even with the pandemic and the NHL's team's financials being hit hard, he's still been spending the money to do whatever they can to make this team a Stanley Cup contender and eventually win a Stanley Cup. So yes, in short, uh, after you know all that, I think that yes, the Wild can win a Stanley Cup uh, as an organization with Craig Leopold as the owner. It just uh, what it really comes down to is whether or not. Uh, the relatively new still GM Bill Guerin, uh, his front office and the team of players that he assembles can do it. So, you know, I think uh, the Wild are in good shape with Craig Leopold as the owner. So, you know, that's that. Uh, that's pretty much it for what I got, I think, for today's mailbag questions. And yeah, no, no more. That was it for mailbag questions. Uh, appreciate you all sending the mailbag questions in. Uh, I'm trying to do these mailbag episodes every other week uh, as we wait for the season to start just to kind of provide you for you guys, you all for some more you know, interactive content to get involved in the show and to get your topics that you want to talk about heard in the show. So again, thank you to all for sending out the mailbag questions. And again, uh, if you want to follow the, the show on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at Locked and Wild. And you can also follow my personal account on Twitter at ZBWildNation underscore. And we also have a Gmail account, LockedOnWild at gmail.com where you can send any mailbag questions even a week or two early if you want, or guest segments, guest ideas. I'd be very happy to hear from you. Always looking to get input from listeners and try to implement any ideas that you may have uh, for the show. I'd be very happy to hear from you. And also just want to remind you again to hit that subscribe button. If you subscribe to Locked on Wild on whatever podcast platform you listen to, you'll get the new episodes of the shows each day as they come out and it'll you want it to go searching for them. So be sure to hit the subscribe button and you'll get the new show of Locked on Wild every day. And just before we go, I guess I should note that for the time being with there still not being clear when the NHL start uh, at Locked on Podcast Network on the NHL channel, we are continuing to do three shows a week only. But once we hear more concrete time of when the NHL season started, like maybe January 1st, January 15th, we will get back to five shows a week. And there obviously have been increase in news and content to talk about for all you guys. So uh, just be aware of that. And uh, again, thanks for listening. Uh, after you're done listening to this show, be sure to check out any of the other Lockdown Minnesota podcasts, such as Lockdown Timberwolves, Lockdown Vikings, or Lockdown Gophers. A lot of great content on the Viking season, Timberwolves draft and offseason, as well as Gopher football and all that good stuff. So be sure to check those out in any of the other Lockdown podcast network shows for all the great sports coverage that our hosts have been providing here. So thanks for listening to another episode of Lockdown Wild. I'm your host, Zeke Boyat. Have a great day. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving, and I will see you on Monday.